Welcome to Real World, a podcast from Stuma West for soon-to-be college graduates and young professionals who desire to walk faithfully with Jesus in the real world. I'm Adrian, and I have the privilege of sitting down with Stacy to have a conversation about benefits. Such a fun topic. I know oh. everyone's dying to talk about this. And it's like, why are we talking about benefits on this podcast for soon-to-be college graduates? I mean, the reality is you guys are going to start a job, and you're going to be hearing these terms that you just don't really know what they mean. So we want to provide a space for you just to get a quick intro into some of these topics so you can be more prepared for the real world. Yes, absolutely. I know that whenever um, I graduated college, I got my first job offer and I looked at that thing and froze. I was so confused. I was seeing all this terminology that I had no idea what it meant. Um, and there were different options. I had to make a choice and I had no idea where to begin with all of this. So, um, the first thing I did was I called my brother-in-law. So no shame. If you do end up, uh, in that same boat, you can totally reach out to family members or do some research on your own. Um, but hopefully this, uh, podcast episode will be helpful for you so that maybe going into it, you won't feel as freaked out as I was. Um, and maybe you can just know some of that terminology, know kind of how to navigate that a little bit better, or come back and listen to this podcast later once you have that benefits offer in front of you so you can make some of those decisions more easily or just do research on your own. And Stacey, one thing I love is that you are really equipped to talk about this topic because when you had graduated college, I mean, you were just, you handed that benefit packet and you had to decide, okay, what is this? But now professionally for your job, you work in HR for Stumo. And so you're actually being the one communicating what these policies are to employers. Yes. And it, I really do feel qualified because I have been in their shoes. I know exactly what it feels like to feel like a deer in the headlights and not know what's going on with benefits. And so I do feel like um, it's my duty to kind of pay that back and help our staff learn um, the basics of what benefits are, how they work, so that um, we can really kind of simplify it and make sure that they know what it is when they're going into their real world job. I love it. Well, let's start with the basics. Okay. Yeah. So um, there's going to be a lot of terminology in this that might kind of um, sound foreign, maybe confuse you a little bit, and that's so fine. Um, I'll try to explain things as they come up. But starting out, we're going to talk about some of the most the most popular plans that employers offer. Um, so we're just going to go through three different ones, but that doesn't mean that there's all that there is. Um, feel free if there is one on your employer benefits uh, plan that you are not hearing about, do some research on your own. There are totally tons of resources out there. We're going to be going through an HMO, a PPO, and an HDHP. I know that's a lot that of acronyms. A, that's a lot of acronyms. I'm only used to sorority letter acronyms, not all of those. Yeah, it's a lot. So an HMO is a health maintenance organization. A PPO is a preferred provider organization organization and an HDHP is a high deductible health plan. Again, just a lot of terminology. We'll break it down one by one. So first we're going to look at uh, HMOs, which is again, that health maintenance organization. So this plan requires a primary care physician. That's the biggest thing that differentiates it from other plans. So that uh, primary care physician is going to handle all of the recommendations, referrals, or anything like that to other specialists for any additional care if needed. So for example, if you have to go to a neurologist, um, maybe you know you need to go to a neurologist, but if you have this type of health plan, you're going to need to go to that primary care physician first, and they're going to have to refer you to a specific neurologist. Um, so the thing with this plan is that premiums do tend to be lower, so that's an advantage. 
um, and they have special agreement, agreements with other healthcare providers. So it is going to be a little bit more affordable usually. So I know I just mentioned that word premium. Uh, you might be wondering, what is a premium? Yeah, I'm going to need you to <laughs> define some terms because I've been in the real world for a little bit, but I still don't even know if I know what a premium is. Yes. Okay. So the simplified way is of explaining it is that premiums are kind of like a membership. So you will get a certain amount of money deducted from each paycheck that is paying for your uh, insurance. So um, let's say your insurance is, for example, to keep it easy, $100 a month. That is like a membership fee almost that you are just paying to have your benefits. That's not paying for any of your medical costs. It is just the amount that you're paying to even say, I have insurance um, and to have that eligibility for the future. Okay. So yeah, I love that word membership. I can think of it in those terms of like, okay, I have access to a cheaper rate for healthcare um, exactly. because I am paying into this premium. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So there, with this HMO, there are more restrictions because you have to start with that primary care physician to do anything else. So it is a little bit more restraining. Um, but again, it's probably a more affordable option. So I think the question to think about with this plan and whenever you're deciding if that's the one that you want to choose is how much do you care about flexibility? Are you okay with having to get an appointment every single time you want to see a doctor? Um, anytime you want to see a specialist, you have to always go through that primary care provider every time. That's a really good thing to consider. I'm glad you brought up just those questions to ask when thinking about that plan. Um, let's move on to the next one. Do you want to describe what a PPO is? Yes. Okay. So that is preferred provider organization. So this one does not require a, a referral to see someone that's in network. Um, and that includes specialists. I might slow you down. What does in network mean? Great question. So um, someone that is in network, it just means that they are doctors or specialists that are, they have an agreement with your health insurance. Um, so they are going to be in this group that your health insurance has said, Hey, you're in this network of our like inner circle, if you will. And, um, we have an agreement that you will pay maybe less for those people or that they're just going to count towards, um, something like a deductible, um, or maybe you have, um, yeah, you have special rates with those specific, uh, doctors or, um, hospitals and things like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So I just mentioned a deductible. That might be another five word. I know these are a lot of definitions, um, but a deductible is kind of beyond that first level. So I like to think of it as levels. So um, remember we have premiums, which is the membership to just even have access to our health insurance. So a deductible is on top of that. Um, whenever you go to the doctor, you're going to pay this out-of-pocket amount every time for you know any cost that you incur along the way up to your deductible. So it's kind of like that limit um, before your insurance is going to pay for things. So I know it sounds counterintuitive that your insurance is already, um, you're like, hey, I'm paying my premium. I have access to this insurance. But unfortunately, you do actually have to keep paying um, full out-of-pocket expenses until you hit that deductible amount. So let's say your deductible is $1,000. Um, you're paying your monthly premium, which we use that example of $100. So you're paying monthly $100 to have that membership to your health insurance. And then if you have any expenses along the way, you're going to have to pay that out of pocket until you hit $1,000 because that was your deductible. 
And does that like reset every single year? So like every year, if I'm, you know, just I'm thinking from a budgeting perspective, $100 a month is my membership fee. And then from there, I'm responsible for $1,000 on top of that out of pocket. And that then after that, 1000 is when insurance would kick in to help me out. Yes, exactly. So that is, and it's usually based on a calendar year. So um, at December, you'll kind of realize that it's really hard to get doctor's appointments sometimes. And that's because a lot of people are trying to squeeze in those appointments before the end of the year because it's going to reset once January comes around. Okay, yes, I have heard a lot of people <laughs> doing that. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. Okay. So um, again, going back to that PPO, it's going to require that the insured individual pays a copay each time they visit a provider or they have to meet that deductible before the insurance covers the claim. So generally, this is going to be more comprehensive in coverage, including some of the services that other health insurance programs might exclude. Um, so this may be the health plan for you if you regularly go to the doctor or if you have pre-existing uh, or expected health issues. So um, next we're going to talk about um, an HDHP, which is kind of a different uh, category. That would be more for people that are generally healthy, usually young. So maybe if you're just graduating, that might be a better option for you if you know you don't usually have any medical expenses. Um, obviously that's always a gamble because you never know that you're going to have a huge medical bill until it happens. But um, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a bit. Yeah. I remember when I had just graduated college, I had a kidney stone and I was very unaware of what it would be to go to um, the hospital and, you know, get the medications that I needed and get a scan to see um, what was going on. And I was hit with a very large medical bill yes. that I was not prepared for. I was like, oh, sure, this is just going to be a couple hundred dollars. No, it was in the thousands. Yes. And I was just like, okay, this this is what, you know, this membership is going towards this is how much I have to pay out of pocket. And so in having that medical experience, I have a much better idea of what what that looks like. And so I'm really glad that you're explaining all this stuff just so we can be prepared. Yes. Okay. I'm actually going to take a quick detour because Adrian, what you just said reminded me of something. It's called an out-of-pocket max. So it's if we're talking about levels, remember we had the premium, then we have the deductible. This is going to be the final level. Uh, and again, that word is out-of-pocket maximum. So that's the maximum amount of money that you will have to spend on healthcare in a given year. So um, there is something called coinsurance, which is the percentage of the cost you pay after hitting your deductible, but before hitting your out-of-pocket max. So for example, in that, in that uh, example we were talking about earlier where you have a $1,000 deductible, um, let's say you hit that. So Adrienne had, you know, that huge bill that she got. Um, it's thousands of dollars. And so she hit her first level of that $1,000 deductible, but then she's having to pay a percentage of that until she hits her out-of-pocket maximum. So an example could be 20% to 80%. Um, that would be a good casual coinsurance rate. It wouldn't be anything unusual. Sometimes it's 90-10, um, but let's use that 20% example. So after you hit your deductible, then you are having to pay 20% of the costs and your insurance is paying 80% of the costs after you hit your deductible. 
Okay, that makes sense. So you're kind of sharing the load. You're not sharing it 50-50, but usually insurance is carrying a significant more portion than you are after you Exactly, exactly. So it might feel like once you hit your deductible, you're like, okay, great. Now I don't have to pay any money. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not the case. Um, so you're paying your deductible. Then after that, you're paying your coinsurance, which is in this example, 20% of those costs. But don't worry, it's not like, you know, if you get a $100,000 bill, you're not necessarily going to have to pay 20% of that. Um, instead, you will have to pay 20% until you hit your out-of-pocket out of pocket maximum. So again, that's the maximum amount of money you'll need to spend on healthcare in a given year. This includes your deductible, but not your premium. Remember, the premium is that monthly membership amount. Uh, your deductible is the amount that you have to pay before your insurance even starts to chip in that 20%. Okay, I'm tracking. That's a that's a lot of words we define there, but this would be is. good just to know that this podcast exists so I can go back and listen. And like you mentioned earlier, if you know you have something that is not mentioned in this episode, hey, go to Google. Google is going to be your friend and Absolutely. help you educate yourself on this. Okay, Stacy, is there ever a scenario with you know just insurance that your insurance just covers everything? Like I know you've talked about a lot of different terms here, but you know you're paying that membership fee, you're hitting that out of pocket max. Is there ever a scenario where insurance is like, yep, I got the rest. Yes. It, it takes a while to get there. But like I mentioned, there's all these different levels. So that out-of-pocket max is the final level. You finally reached it. And so um, once you hit that, so let's say an example number, I'm just throwing one out there. It's not necessarily going to be yours, but uh, let's say $4,000 is your maximum. Um, once you've hit that, you've paid all your co-insurance fees, those 20% have add up, and then you hit that $4,000 after that, you are not paying anything. Your health insurance is paying 100%. So that's when everyone's stacking their doctor's appointments in December because they've hit that out-of-pocket max. Exactly. So um, for example, if you have a huge medical bill at the beginning of the year or in the middle of the year, it's super common for people to get maybe some more... Um, I don't want to say optional procedures done, but obviously um, something like elective surgery, that's never going to be paid for by your insurance. But um, maybe let's say you have some back problems that you wouldn't have normally addressed uh, because you don't want to have to go through the payments of that deductible and all these different fees. Um, but once you hit your out-of-pocket maximum, you're like, hey, my back has been hurting for a while. I think I'll actually go ahead and make that appointment because my insurance is going to cover 100% of it. Okay. Yeah. That's a really good perspective to keep. And I know you don't always think about, you know, am I going to have to go through a scenario like this? But I think one takeaway here is if this happens to you at the beginning of the year, it could be wise to stack the rest of your calendar year with um, doctor's appointments. Yeah. Maybe just look into it, do some research first, but that is something that is really common. Cool. Well, what else do you have for us, Stacey? Okay, so I know we stopped earlier at the PPO. So we went over HMO plans. We went over PPO plans. Um, so something else I definitely want to discuss is FSAs. So that's a flexible spending account. You might have heard that term before. It's a little bit more common. And that is an account. So it's not a plan. It is actually an account um, where you can contribute pre-tax dollars to be used on medical expenses throughout the year. Um, and so you might be thinking, is this the same thing as an HSA? Yeah, I was just about to ask that. Are they the same thing or are they different? They're similar. So we'll talk about the HSA here in a second. But an FSA um, is actually only available with usually a PPO or an HMO. So those are those two plans that we talked about earlier. So you could not have an FSA with a high deductible health plan, which we haven't talked about yet. 
Um, but this, the main difference here is that an FSA is offered through your employer. So you're contributing straight from your paycheck using pre-tax money. And um, you kind of have a use it or lose it policy with this. And so it's not like something that rolls over year to year. It is really in your employer's account. And so if you switched employers or, um, you know, left by the end of the year somehow, then your FSA doesn't necessarily transfer with you. You're not going to go to a new employer and be able to just bring that money. And same thing with the end of the year, once the year ends. Um, again, that's kind of why a lot of doctor's appointments are scheduled at the end of the year because people are like, oh man, I've been contributing all this money to my FSA. It's not going to go into the next year. So let's go ahead and make all these doctor's appointments and spend it before the year's up. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay. And so then let's talk about an HDHP. I know I've referred to it a couple of times. Um, so obviously it stands for high deductible health plan. Therefore it does have a higher deductible than most. Um, but it, that also means that it comes with a lower premium. So those typically offer the ability to use an HSA to pay for qualified medical expenses using pre-tax dollars. So those HSAs are similar to FSAs, but this one is your personal account. So um, it's a little bit different because it doesn't have a use it or lose it type of situation. You can roll it over year to year so you can keep adding that money up and um, you can even actually usually invest your HSA money um, depending on your account, whether you have it through your local bank or maybe a more robust account, um, like through Lively is an example of an HSA account that a lot of people use. Um, those you can a lot of times invest if you're feeling like that's something you want to do. Um, you cannot do that with an FSA. And you can also take that HSA money with you, whether you leave your job or stay in your current job. Um, so it's a lot more flexible, actually, than ironically, a flexible spending account. <laughs> <laughs> and so remind me, the HSA, it goes with the high deductible health plan. And then the FSA, it goes with the PPO plan? Yes, correct. Or the HMO. Or the HMO. Okay. Yes. So specifically, HSAs are going to go with the high deductible health plan. And so the high deductible health plan tends to favor those who have fewer medical expenses because you're pretty much banking on the fact that you're not going to come near hitting your deductible. And again, this one is going to be a little bit more risky because you're assuming that you're not going to have medical expenses, which is why it's more common for young, healthy people to elect that type of insurance because, um, yeah, you're just assuming that you're going to be able to make it through the year without ever coming close to your deductible. Um, whereas if you were a little bit more uncertain or you had a pre-existing condition, maybe one of those other plans would be the better move if you have the option to pick one. That's good. And are these like things that you're able to talk with someone in HR about um, with your company? Or is this something that you kind of have to research on your own and then just tell your HR director what you're doing? Yeah, I would say in most companies, they're going to hand you a benefits packet depending on the culture of the organization. Some might just literally hand you that offer and not talk to you about the benefits at all. Um, maybe some will talk to you about what the options are, what they mean. But at the end of the day, I would say do your research. Um, most, I would say, are not going to explain the benefits to you. And so um, it might be a little bit more beneficial for you to ask questions or just research online. Um, but yes, your HR person will be who you probably go to for um, your orientation. And therefore, they're going to be giving you um, some explanations of your job description, um, maybe an orientation talking to you about trainings, um, things like that. And benefits are a part of that for sure. Okay. I love that. Whenever I think of HR, we were joking, just, you know, Toby from the office. And that is 
obviously not what HR does. <laughs> Do you want to explain a little bit more of like what HR does and in its entirety? Yeah, I know. Definitely. I get the Toby jokes a lot. Uh, people always think that HR is just someone who's like laying down the law, um, reporting. That's who you report things to. And those are all true. But um, there's obviously a little bit more to the job. So we're that person that you would go through orientation with usually. Um, we also usually are supplying training, support, things like that. Um, benefits questions. So all these things that we're discussing right now, usually um, in bigger organizations, there might be someone who's specifically dedicated to benefits. Um, but in smaller organizations, a lot of times HR is specifically over benefits. Um, 401k questions, that would be something that's really good to talk to your HR person about. Um, whether you guys have a match or not, um, that's definitely something you'll want to ask your HR person uh, and then pay questions and then reporting things. All of these things definitely fall into HR. Well, that's a good list. Well, Stacey, I love just getting to learn about benefits from someone who is a expert in the field. Do you have anything else that you'd want to um, mention to our listeners? Um, I would just encourage you to do some research or ask your parents, whoever. Um, there's no shame. I think a lot of times people, um, I've talked to friends who they just picked something on their benefits because they didn't want to like make a big deal out of it or they were embarrassed that they didn't understand them. I would just encourage you so, so strongly to um, don't just make a decision on a whim. These things are going to um, usually be effective for at least a year before you can change them. Um, so something called open enrollment that I probably should mention is companies will have once a year an open enrollment period where you can make changes to your benefits. But other than that, um, you don't really have an opportunity to just change it willy-nilly whenever you want. Um, if you have a major life event happen, like for example, if you get married or have a baby, something like that, um, those are considered major life events and you can change your insurance at those points. But other than that, kind of whenever you are enrolling your benefits that first time, you're not going to get to do that again until you have your next open enrollment period, which for a lot of companies is around the end of the year or the beginning of the year, like maybe December, January timeframe. Um, so that's definitely something to keep in mind is you don't want to just make a rash decision thinking, I'll just change it next month or something like that. You usually can't. So you want to make sure that you're doing your research before you make those elections that can affect your long term. That's a really helpful tip because, yeah, I can imagine just wanting to rush through the process and just make a decision. But that's good to know. Hey, whatever you choose, you are likely going to have that for an entire year unless there is a major life event like marriage or having a kid. So I'm really glad that um, you shared that. Thanks for listening to Stacey explain all of these terms that are way over my head. But again, we just want to give you guys a good foundation on how to walk faithfully with Jesus in the real world. Thanks yeah. for being here, Stacey. Thanks so much for having me. 